Aloha, Maui Nui. Hey, this is Josh Porter. And this, and this is, is Jason Burkhardt. How you doing? Yeah, we got another person in the room, too. Yeah, and this is Russell Atkins, CFO at Maui Brewing Company. <laughs> All right, we're here. we got a great show in front of us. Uh, welcome, Russell. Welcome to the Solar Coaster. Yeah, he's going to jump right in, isn't he? Yeah, this guy's ready <laughs> to go. I'm telling you, he's got numbers in front of him, like in traditional CFO fashion. Oh, right. And he's oh, like, no. <laughs> you know, he's just, he's raring to go. He's been talking the whole time out in the in the lounge area. So uh, welcome, That's Russell. Excellent. Yeah, it's so nice to have you here in the Solar Coaster. Thanks so much for coming in. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Happy yeah. to be here. Yeah, yeah, you bet, man, you bet. And this is, um, so basically, this is the uh, episode number 62. We have Russell Atkins here. He is, uh, that's with a D, not a T, you just told me, right? And uh, Atkins, and he is the CFO of Maui Brewing Company. Also a Kaipukukui Fellowship alum. That's correct. Uh, right? And I, even even to this day, 10 years later, I still have a rough time saying that. <laughs> right? Yeah, I think everybody says kai ipukukui instead of ka. But, you know, is that how it goes? Uh, K-I-K is easy. K-I-K. Yeah, that's kind of how we roll with it. Right? So that's a leadership program that we were both participants in. Uh, and I think I was year, I think it was 2012. Uh, I looked at my shirt the other day. I still have that little green polo, you know. Yeah, right on. And then what you were your recent year? 2018, just graduated oh uh, last month. Oh, boy. Wow. Congratulations. Thank Congratulations. you. Yeah, 11 years the program's been around now. So it's incredible, years. you know. Yeah. yeah, amazing program. It's kind of like helping young leaders in Maui County uh, kind of get their head around all the amazing characteristics of Maui here. And in true form, you know, a lot of leaders out there in the community have participated in the program. And you're there kind of steering the financial reins of Maui Brewing Company, which is a big deal here in Maui. Absolutely. All right, so we're really excited to have you on board. You know, with the, I've been trying to get uh, Russell on for the last month or so, kind of peppering you with emails and texts, saying, "Hey, come on out." And the main reason is we wanted to. Jay and I really wanted to understand. Um, well, basically, wanted free beer. That was <laughs> kind of the underlying <laughs> reason. But no, we wanted to uh, understand uh, how a CFO, how a chief financial officer, uh, makes decisions about renewable energies. And you know, because you know, we we got the basics of it. We know on the business side of the fence for renewables, uh, it can be very, very attractive. The incentives are so aggressive and we wanted to kind of get a little further down the road and then learn more and bring that to our listeners so definitely happy to share what we've done and kind of our thought process behind how we came to the conclusion for our project that we're doing as well as some of the consulting work i've done yeah for others through the cpa firm that i continue to work for awesome awesome well i can't wait to hear all about it okay shall we jump into our uh, our housekeeping jay all right, let's, let's do start it. The right? show. Okay, start the show. This is the Solar Coaster, folks. We are a renewable energy themed talk show right here in lovely Maui County. Uh, we are here Fridays at 1:05 p.m. in the studios at Kauai 11:10 a.m. We're also on some FM stations: 96.7 FM Central Maui, 96.5 FM West Side, 98.7 FM Up Country. Uh, we've got a website. Uh, Jay, you want to tell us about that today? Absolutely. The website, of course, has never changed. It is still www.solar-coaster.com. That's solar-coaster.com. That's the hyphen, uh, little mark. Um, every, all our old shows are up there. Uh, in fact, I just got around to putting all the old shows up there now. Uh, we got our most recent interviews with... Uh, Great Ton Solar, uh, the new Miko episode, which is actually really, really interesting. Got a lot of traction with that. If you didn't catch those for whatever reason, go to solar-coaster.com. You can check in all the old shows. Also, listen live. If you're not in our broadcast area right now, you can be anywhere in the world on the internet. Just click the listen live link. It comes right to you. Uh, finally, go down the bottom of the page. And if you can't or too embarrassed to ask a question on the air, just fill in a little form at the bottom and we promise to get to your questions right there. Absolutely. And uh, we've got a great group of sponsors that have kept the solar coaster on air for 62 episodes. How on earth did that happen? Maui Solar Project, Tabuchi Electric America, Sonen Battery, Pika Energy, and Sundrum Solar. Uh, so, yeah, thank you so much to everyone that has helped out and, and kind of believed in the coaster from the beginning and keeps it running uh, on the tracks. How about, yep, our, how about our podcast, love, Jack? Love, love, you, love you, sponsors. <laughs> love you guys. Uh, again, uh, consumption-wise, if you are a podcast person, you like taking stuff with you, uh, just look us up, Solar Coaster, in some varying form. They're all one word or with the dash. Uh, iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn, we're out there. You can grab all the old shows through that platform, those platforms as well and take us with you wherever you go. Absolutely. So we jump into our news and events? News and events. This is news time, and we've got a whole lot to talk about, but I don't want to step on Russell's time too much. So okay. Let's, let's go through this. Good, good. Um, global solar investment drops. I mean, there's so much news out there um, about about how solar is contracting and, mm. and everybody's running scared. And it's like it de decreased to 
one percent one percent and uh, but the but the funny thing is they attribute the majority of the drops in a 19 percent um drop in, in china's pv policy of course so china being a major global mm-hmm. consumer of the, the the pv like manufacturing uh process but um but also just just costing like actual job costs have come down so much that the initial investment is less. So yes, there's there's less total investment of 1%, but I think that actually equates to more actual physical solar being installed oh, wow. because it costs less to install it. That's amazing. <laughs> and we certainly have seen, you know, some pretty significant reductions in costs over the course of the last few years, not only in, well, primarily in solar, you know, the solar equipment and then the, even the installation rates and all that. But I mean, now we're seeing, um, you know, reduced reductions in costs of uh, other types of equipment for these new systems, right? Like batteries right. and other other infrastructure, other types of technology. So, I mean, I guess that it, there's a little bit of good news, a little silver lining in there with that that kind of gloom and doom title. Oh sure, there's a lot of that, and and I think um, the China effect that they're calling it now is going mm. to be uh, pretty widespread. But what I see in the in the short to midterm is that that module costing and base, basic materials costing is going to come way down because global manufacturers had ramped to to expect this that that China would buy it. Someone in China would buy this mm. amount of, and they so they have projections and they're doing all the all the so math there's to figure a out how, how much to make more product. And than, now that they're exactly yeah. now that they're not making, uh, not, they're not actually actually installing that much in China, um, we're going to have a global surplus of these these materials. So, Right, right. Well, we've been shooting for that, you know, in, in the at least in the discussion of um, solar, when will we hit that quarter per watt price? That, that was kind of like a, a benchmark, well, right, over the, over the last yeah, uh, few years. Yeah. Like, when, when's it going to hit a quarter? When's it going to hit a quarter? And of course, you know, last year before the tariffs and the changes and everything and all the, you know, preparations for the tariffs, we were pretty low in like the mid 30s with the volume, major volume production and uh, uh, or, or, or purchasing. And uh, now we're ta- they're talking about that, right? And there's a quote right here. It's says uh, we have revised that up to the to, was it 24.4 US cents per watt is that what we're seeing Jay? yeah wow. yeah global and and by the end of 2018 they expect it to be 24.4 US cents under a quarter there you go Ding. so under a quarter there we go it's it is now cheaper it's now definitely cheaper to do solar no matter what you do right amazing, amazing. i remember when there are youtube videos where they're showing you to take broken solar sails for a dollar a watt oh right you know to put collect broken pieces to hit that one dollar a watt and here we are at the 27 28 yeah. range just as an example of how intense you know the price cutting has been yeah it's amazing and yeah. that's you know there's these graphs that show from the beginning of solar you know up at like eight dollars a watt mm-hmm. and you know just just plummeting down and kind of getting raised are thin on the edge, and right, and so now we're in this territory. So that's actually a little bit of a silver lining there. So on the other side of the fence, what's going on with tariffs? Apparently, uh, uh, there's a, there's a new tariff not only on panels but on some other technology. This is out of uh, oh, okay. PB, uh, PB so magazine. The trade war, yeah, the tra- the trade war escalates. <laughs> This is the first the first sentence here. Um, U.S. proposes 10% tariff on inverters, AC modules, and non-lithium technology batteries from China. Whoa. Okay, so this is this is a tariff that they're proposing specifically levied on uh, materials coming in from China. Um, in, the inverter conversation is is kind of unfortunate. You know, I mean, these this inverters are are absolutely necessary um yeah critical to, piece to, of the get, puzzle. to change to change your dc voltage into ac something you can use so it's just another ding on installing solar you know, you know it's yeah going to be, it's going to be big you know on the inverter- ac modules oh ac ac modules for anybody that doesn't know it's basically the same thing it's it's a it's a complete panel and inverter like a micro inverter unit yeah. where ac actually comes out of the the, the unit itself but, i mean it's, it's still collecting and has it just DC, saves on installation it, time for it, the it, most part basically you get a micro inverter sure. company and a panel company and they come together and they make a ac module to just slap it together before it gets on the roof right um yeah right. and those and they've been kind of towing that for years you know i just have never really got into the place where we used a lot of those ac modules uh but i can see that you know and with with the inverter side of the fence here, you know, inverters for our for our listeners, you know, that basically takes the DC electricity, inverts it to AC, so it can be used in our homes and in our electric grid, and that that we need that as part of this puzzle of deploying solar. And so, for the last couple of years, there's been this rumor kind of throughout the country, and I sit on these kind of conference calls once in a while with other other solar guys across the U.S., and they've been talking about these big companies out of China, like really reducing the cost of inverters, like uh, SunGrow and Huawei. Mm-hmm. I've never been able to pronounce that name. Correctly. 
correctly. And uh, you know, coming in and just like having the costs of inverters, for example, right? And that was something right. that they were looking forward to. But it, this this particular article here says that and uh, companies like Huawei and SunGrow had been relieved of the result of previous rounds of t- tariffs in the past. Last night, their number came up. So yep. you know, the ability of them to come in and kind of define the market maybe shifted. Is there anything else out of that article you wanted to throw in there, Jay? Um, <laughs> the, the the big thing is this non-lithium battery technology. This is kind of kind of unique. I mean, just about every whether it's residential or utility scale battery product I've seen is a lithium technology type battery. It's mm. because of energy density. You can, mm. There's no way out of, of older technology batteries to get a nice little box you can stick on your wall um, and and actually get enough power out of it to run to run your home. Right. And even worse at utility scale. Um, you need a closet. So the only thing I can see here was basically, uh, I mean, it's it's actually going to increase the quality of product coming out of China if these if these if you mean everything more more lithium, is, right? More more lithium. So at mm-hmm. least they're they're higher, newer technology, higher mm-hmm. quality batteries as mm-hmm. opposed to the real the real trash. Okay, okay, okay. Well, let's uh, what's going on over the, now? This article about uh, from Solar Power World, Jay. Did you get a chance to take a, take a peek at this? They're talking about how um, it's, it says intersolar session. This is the uh, trade show that's going on right now. or just finished in San Francisco, which, which, which we almost went to and then passed on at the last right. minute. I apologize. Well, Neil Martin was there. He just came back and he actually downloaded one of our sales guys at Maui Solar Project downloaded a couple of cool things that were happening out there. So we'll get a chance to share that. Um, and I'm sure, well, maybe we'll bring him in next week and ask him to just give us the feedback on air. But mm. you know, uh, Intersolar is a lot of fun. It's in San Francisco. San Francisco is a great town. Yep. You know, uh, but he did yep. say that it's pretty small, and it looks to me like SPI is kind of getting the lion's share of the attention. Uh, it seems to kind of have yeah. been shifting that way for years. So, but this is a kind of recap of what's going on at Intersolar. And it says Intersolar session accentuates fragmented value of solar across the United States. That's a that's a mouthful of a title, but uh, effectively the talking sure. about you know how do you value solar and how do you transition out of NAM into other areas and how are people affected and how are companies affected and you know it's it's a pretty in depth article. Did you get a chance to take a peek at it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so so inter- the, the actual intersolar session in question is called net metering in flux where states are heading on NEM changes. Now, basically what's going on is that we, as a measure to spur adoption, uh, we, we had these NEM programs come out. Mm-hmm. Net energy meeting means you, you get the net of whatever you import versus one to you one export. Exchange and you pay for, with you, the yeah, yeah, one-to-one exchange, which is fantastic. Energy. Like if you could actually get a NEM. Um, these... Uh, these programs are not really for the benefit of the utility. I mean, if you make enough power, you basically pay nothing, and <laughs> they don't. Yeah, they don't make any money. financially for the person uh, that so puts it so in, but so it kind of discounts all it, the costs of the grid and everything that you know realistically the utility has to deal with. Right, exactly. So, so those pro- pro- programs, they, they do want to end of life or change the way they work. The issue is that a lot of states have either just completely cut them off um, now and, and kind of too quickly. Was the message is that you really want to plan your NEM transition? <laughs> this is like, I mean, so, the way they're saying this, they don't reference Hawaii necessarily. They reference it at one point, but as I'm reading, did this, you notice it's like did you notice that on the map though, <laughs> oh, like all the states, we have hourly hourly real time export rates. Um, all the they're all orange, and then Hawaii shows up as like a bright yellow. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like we're not even we're not even the key. We're a, spe- we're oh, a special color. We have a special. We have our own little color on this map. Yeah, and they're talking yeah, about yeah. transitioning and planning the transition from NEM to these other things and we just kind of got chucked right off the boat it was like nem's nem's gone if you want to install batteries go ahead oh by the way they don't exist (laughs) they're they're too expensive and we don't know how to permit them and 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 slide after slide here was was what these sudden policy changes do is like small market local companies get destroyed i remember you sobbing in my backyard (laughs) that's actually actually accurate yeah (laughs) i was there as well october 12 2015 i was trying to buy a house and i knew what was happening Oh, December right. 31st, 2015 is when we closed. I missed the window. Oh, wow. Two and a half yeah. Oh, no. Oh, that's oh, how it dear. went down, man. That's yeah. how it went down. So the impact yeah, on so, so, the installers, yeah, the, for example. The, the, the message, yeah, the message was that that the installers uh, take the brunt of this hit. You're you're hurting tremendously local business, local jobs, um, and and you really cannot cannot and should not do that type right. of thing. So but the transition needs to be planned. They need to have programs in place. I, I think our problem was we didn't have programs in place. It was basically what a year and a half where we didn't mm-hmm. know what 
to do. Yeah, yeah. You were just basically, um, you, know, you had your pipeline from the previous year, and you were just running through that and hoping something would change. You know, and then I right. think it, maybe about a six months or nine months in, Tesla came out and said, hey, we got a great battery, you know, and then it was another, like, whatever, year before you could actually put it in. So it was a pretty, yes. Yeah, so, right. so I would completely right. uh, support the, the general message of this article that you have to plan a little bit more carefully about how to transition out of the NEM era into the post-NEM era and, uh, and right. you know, and make sure the, 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 inf- the, the industry itself, it's a big industry. We're a big job provider, mm-hmm. right, uh, can survive yeah. Yeah. and can thrive. And uh, local, it's not – Local jobs, high-paying jobs, technically, I mean, they're, they're yeah. people that are willing, willing to train the high-technology positions. So, I mean, it's it, yeah, it's a really, really high-end field, and you do not want to damage that, that type of job market. Yeah, so if you want to take a little bit closer look at that, that was on Solar Power World, and you can have a, have a peek at it and learn about how that happens. Oh, we got a little bit of a feel-good yep. feel piece over here uh, with this uh, house sol- separate one here from How Solar Energy Helps Mennonites with Their Mission of Global Belief. Now, actually, this article, Jay, I don't know if you got a chance Relief. To, uh, uh, relief. Did I say belief? Oh, sorry. Yes, you did. <laughs> That's a bit of a Freudian slip there. <laughs> but, uh, you know, because the, the article itself I thought was really amazing because, I mean, basically what they're talking about is the, the, the Mennonites are, um, you know, are part of the same belief system of the Amish. They're not actually the Amish. They do believe in, they, they don't necessarily, they don't shun technology in any way, which would make sense because yeah, they're embracing much, technology. Right. The difference, right? Yeah, and yeah. Um, but what they're doing in in the fashion of the old barn raising. Uh, they, they bring the community together and support the community and help one another. And they're doing this with solar, which is really kind of amazing. But as you dig deeper into it, um, they start talking about how uh, helping others and living simply is kind of a way. What did they say? We believe that we can live life simply and in service to others as a witness to God's love for the world. That's really a nice thought, right? And they're talking about um, effectively how um, how energy is a wonderful area to focus on because energy is actually a, a driver of conflict. Right, mm-hmm. and if you right. can get in right. front of that, and you can focus in on energy, then you can take away one of those drivers of conflict, and at the same time, you can help your community and all the various benefits of solar. So I really love this article. I thought it was a really amazing uh, uh, a way to look at um, how to help others in your community, you know, and uh, and then you know, and, and not only on the micro level but also on the macro level. Pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I like reading through this. There's a couple of lovely quotes. Uh, like you said, um, using solar energy as a faithful response to climate change, and the realities we see in the world where droughts and other effects of changing weather patterns really can be disastrous to the people we partnership and are trying to support, particularly people living in poverty. And it's absolutely true. I mean, yeah. these, these people are already having, having, having a rough time and then we're just throwing tornadoes so- and hurricanes and stuff, Adam. Very, very, very <laughs> nice way to look at that. I'm really glad they're engaged in yeah. stuff like that. Let's uh, let's jump over. Yep. Let's skip the other solar power world uh, one. Uh, uh, we don't have to get into that one, I think, Jay. But how about the? Uh, uh, did you get a chance to um, take a peek at that IRS um, uh, uh, article did about? I, did I get solar? a peek at it? I sent it to you. Oh, you did. That's right. You did. You did. You did. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, so I, IRS gives big solar two more years. So this is this is a question I have. Is this how how big do you have to be? Um, Basically, what they did is they said that the tariff is going to be still is still going away, um, but they're modified the, the investment tax credit, the ITC, uh, to allow projects to be get, that begin construction by the end of. 2019 to still be able to get 30% as opposed to being in service. So that's that's a little bit different. So you, you have to you have to be at least in the process of building it as opposed to having it flip the switch and turn it online. So right. not quite this not quite the same thing. How they define what is being inbuilt is really really interesting <laughs> because well, yeah. obviously there's the simple one that's that's the. Um, what do they call it? The safe harbor provision. Whereas if you have invested at least 5% of the total project cost, then you, um, you, you're, you're covered. Uh, but alternatively, you can have started what they call on-site physical work. Hmm. But on-site, <clears throat> physical, on-site physical work is really interesting, like planning or designing. Uh, securing right. financing. <laughs> C is just exploring. So you basically go and like t- take a look and exploring D is research, research, researching. <laughs> I mean, so to basically just, just wandering around. Hey, there's a, there's a big field here. Maybe we should put solar right. in. Is that enough? Right. Not 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 really. But it it could be if you document it correctly. Mm. 
<laughs> yeah. So, and what this means, you know, from a practical perspective, is that hey, that thirty percent federal tax credit is going to stagger down uh, in the upcoming years, and that this gives uh, large-scale projects that have a huge investment requirement the opportunity to not kind of get, you know, to be in a situation where they could potentially lose that unpredictability in finance, right? That's what it is, right? Right? Russell? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So but they were they were and they and they were asking some of the, the financial guys at Excel, uh, large energy energy uh, company, then um, said they would be able to close two additional coal plants a decade early because of this provision alone. There you go. Okay, so that's a direct impact. So fantastic. So <laughs> yeah. that, that pretty much wraps up our news and events. You want to go over to our commercial? We'll come back with Mr. Russell Atkins, CFO of Maui Brewing so Company, forward to, to it. learn yes. everything about how <laughs> solar is great for businesses. Okay. Okay. Aloha and welcome to Maui Solar Project. It is easy to feel rejuvenated just stepping outside on a magnificent Hawaiian day. Maui Solar Project is here to help harness that energy you feel in your body and use it to power your homes and businesses. As Laura tells us, Maui harnessed the sun so as to slow its path across the sky. Join Maui Solar Project as we harness the sun's energy and slow Hawaii's dependence on fossil fuels. Call Maui Solar Project at 269-2352. MauiSolarProject.org. Tabuchi Electric, a leading worldwide inverter manufacturer, presents the second generation of the eco-intelligent battery system, the IBIS. Tabuchi's grid-friendly system includes a high-efficiency inverter, stackable batteries, and integration with Jelly software for the most adaptable battery storage system on the market. The system is optimized for energy management and cost performance. Maximize your solar investment with Tabuchi's electric eco-intelligent battery system. The Sonin Battery Eco is an energy storage solution that utilizes intelligent energy management software. The system is available in a variety of storage capacities and allows for expansion. Sonin Battery Eco allows you to save money by harvesting energy from your solar PV system and using that stored energy when rates are more expensive. Sonin Battery Eco is specifically designed to provide you and your family peace of mind in the event of power outage. Our unique power detection system will sense outages in real time and automatically switch over to battery power. See Sonin Battery Eco at sonin-battery.com. MIT-founded Pika Energy, makers of the Pika Energy Island, a smart energy management system that uses solar panels, lithium batteries, and intelligence to manage your energy and keep you powered even during outages. With a clean, intelligent alternative to grid power, you're in control of your energy future. Pika's Energy Island lets you manage electrical costs with HECO-ready self-supply functions. Pika's largest battery, the Harbor Plus, offers 16 kilowatt hours of stored energy and can power loads of up to 10 kilowatts. And if you need more capacity, just add a second or even third Harbor Smart battery to the same system for a maximum of 48 kilowatt hours of usable storage. Pika Energy, own your power. To learn more, visit pika-energy.com. Sundrum Solar is the manufacturer of a revolutionary thermal collector that fits on the underside of your standard PV panel to maximize energy capture per square foot. The Sundrum Solar Hybrid PVT system, combined photovoltaic and thermal, holds the world record for peak efficiency, capturing an astounding 86% usable energy. Learn how Sundrum Solar vastly improves electric, heating, and cooling economics at sundrumsolar.com. Okay, those are our uh, wonderful sponsors in that uh, ever-lengthening commercial run, Jay. <laughs> right? is, is, is it? Do we have any more sponsors coming? Oh, yes, of course, of course. Uh, yeah, maybe Maui Brewing Company. Right? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Just hit That's him great. right out of the gate with that. Uh, so, hey, uh, we are very fortunate to have Mr. Russell Atkins, uh, CFO, Chief Financial Officer of Maui Brewing Company, in the studio with us. Uh, Russell, welcome. Thank you for coming in again. Really excited to talk to you. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, Russell, now, um, you know, the, you're also a fellow uh, from the uh, Kaipakui Fellowship Program, alum of that program. We just talked a little bit about that. So you kind of, you know, when I think about your role here, you're kind of at the helm, the financial helm of, you know, one of the largest kind of companies in Maui. And you're also you going to have all that kind of Pono background with the Kaipakui right. Fellowship, right? So right. I imagine that you're, you're taking that into consideration when you're making decisions out there, right? Definitely. You know, and, and the core of our culture at Maui Brewing Company has always wanted to to focus more on sustainability and the the timing was incredible with Kaipo Kukui to learn about a lot of the issues we're facing in Maui County and what sustainability really even means, right? You know, people talking about going green and they're more sustainable and we always joke the only green they care about, the Benjamin color. Right. You know, and so right. yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's amazing working for a company that actually believes in true sustainability and uh, you know, Garrett was on the show several uh, weeks yeah. or months back, you know, yeah. our CO2 recovery system being in place, you know, working on the solar thermal and uh, looking at, you know, 
even going to paper straws, you know, in our tasting room when it was there, you know, looking at biodegradable plastics, actually really pursuing those avenues and trying to be a good steward to show how they can work. Uh, manufacturing is already extremely difficult in Hawaii in general, but we've proven that with the right concept, the niche markets, that it can be a reality. Yeah. And part of that, of course, to make it affordable is focusing on finances, right? If it doesn't mm -hmm. make dollars, it doesn't make sense. And uh, <laughs> like we're very fortunate uh, to have the Hawaii tax credit, that 35%, which mm -hmm. other locales may not have. You know, everybody, of course, has the federal income or investment tax credit of the 30% and then the 35% on Hawaii. Makes a huge difference, Absolutely. Right? And, of course, you know, the high cost of electricity brings ROIs into a very reasonable uh, realm. But for a lot of the finances uh, that we do, the first question is, uh, what's the tax appetite, you know, in general for anybody who right. is a business? Right. Uh, because if you're in the highest tax bracket, it makes sense on day one. Mm -hmm. uh, with the depreciation component, it may take more time. But now that we have 100% bonus depreciation at the federal level, at the federal level, you know, yeah. not the Hawaii level. And even though federal, you can only depreciate 85% of the cost, not 100%. However, mm -hmm. in Hawaii, you can depreciate 100%. You know, right. there's a disparity And is there, there a bonus right there in that first year? 100% uh, for federal for depreciation. Federal. Right. right. So, and this is in 2018. That's part of uh, Trump's tax law. Right. Uh, what was really making us nervous, though, is as you guys know, PV was on the chopping block entirely. Right. You know, they, you know, and that was something that was being looked at. To, Eliminate to the it. depreciation for PV. Uh, no, the, the, tax the tax credit. The tax credit was it was on the chopping block. The, the depreciation would have been able to stay, but that's thirty percent. You know, right. right, right off the top, and on top of tariffs, that would have really changed the ROI game for uh, everyone. You yeah. Know, uh, yeah. Entirely, but for us, you know, when you're in in Hawaii, uh, I haven't looked with the new. Uh, tax rates because the tax rates have changed as well. But w when we do a lot of these, if you're in the highest tax bracket, every dollar you're investing is somewhere, I think, between a dollar and three and a dollar eight cents you're receiving in tax benefits. So from day one, you know, you know the system's going to pay for itself. The right. depreciation takes up to five to six years on a five year maker schedule. Mm -hmm. But nonetheless, a 30% day one federal tax credit, 35% uh, day one mm -hmm. Hawaii tax credit. I, I explain it to people if you had two Home Depot buckets, you're you know, let's go with one's Home Depot and one low, is Lowe's. One's the government and one is your own business. Mm -hmm. All you're doing is diverting funds from one bucket into a different bucket. You right. know, those funds with, would have been expended You would have had to pay way. for the taxes. Right. So rather put infrastructure and invest into your, in your business. Right. Right? Absolutely. And the benefit is, of course, the savings on the electrical side. So mm -hmm. you would have paid the money one way or the other. Right. So when you're, you know, if we all go back to 2006, when I first moved here after graduating from Texas A&M University, uh, living in a condo in Kihei, we ran that air conditioner, not entirely, oh, yeah. but it was, you know, 40, <laughs> 40 to 42 cents a kilowatt hour. I never yeah. hurt. And, yeah. uh, you know, now with the decoupling, you know, the energy adjustment, so on and so forth, depending on our demand charge, we're still in the 29 to 36 cents right. a kilowatt hour range. Right. Which is still a multiple over a lot of the rest of the country, right? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, in Texas, right when I left, uh, all in was eight cents a kilowatt hour, and I still felt like I was overpaying. Right, right. <laughs> you know? Uh, and so when you go through those modules, or uh, financial modules, you're really looking at that tax appetite first. And if somebody is in that high tax bracket, you already know it's going to work out. Now it's just putting a, uh, <clears throat> putting a portfolio together of what is the break-even point, uh, you know, pretty much how long is it going to take, how long do you want to own this system. Mm -hmm. uh, and really, I think the more difficult things with businesses is really the financing. Because you know the benefit is there, but right. do you have that you know X Y Z amount of dollars in cash, or do you need to seek financing from the bank? Uh, you know, in gyms for the longest time, it's a great program, but it was kind of stagnant, it's stalling because you know the administrative side was it's being very caught tough up. to get things through. Uh, right, gyms, and yeah. so and then it kind of you know the floodgates, from what I understand, are opening on that. We're actually utilizing gyms you right. know, as well, as well as bank financing. Uh, so I think that's the hard one for people to stomach, and it's trying to retrain them to realize if you have that tax appetite, that money is already gone. Right. You know, it's just going to the government. Now we're re-diverting it. But the Hawaii credit's tricky, right? It's the more generous credit at 35%. However, the highest Hawaii tax bracket is 11%, mm -hmm. where at the time the federal was 39. I believe it's 37 now. Uh, so you have a time value of money component. You know, if you put mm -hmm. in a million dollar system, it's a three hundred fifty thousand dollar Hawaii credit. 
well, you would have had to made a chunk of change to utilize 350000 of Hawaii taxes right. in year one. So quite often that Hawaii credit gets carried forward to the future. And what is that IRR internal you know, rate of return? And are you able to calculate? Do you calculate that kind of thing? Oh, or? absolutely. We, yeah. you know, I've seen several great models out there. I just basically, but nobody gave me the Excel file. Right. So I recreated the Excel file. And we put in you know, escalator clauses for electricity. Uh, we look at uh, inverter replacement costs, year 10 or year 15, battery. Mm -hmm replacement cost and we try to have some uh, assumptions built in and we don't know what those assumptions are look at how how drastically the prices have decreased so if anything our assumptions are probably conservative because right. we're using today's replacement cost 10 to 15 years from now as long as the industry is you know thriving to some degree or at least mm -hmm. there's some key players thriving then we have a high likelihood that we'll have lower costing than what we have today. So modeling it today with today's cost is probably a conservative approach for sure. Right. So, okay, you just said a lot right there. Right? There's a lot <laughs> in that. I mean, I, I was like, whoa, I want to talk about that. I want to talk okay, about that. Okay, re rewind, that. rewind. Uh. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, so if we were to kind of think about, um, all right, so the, the show, oftentimes we're talking about residential solar. Right. And in residential uh, solar, basically there's, you know, if you're buying your system, and you're owning your system, I should say, you know, I should say, then you're looking at a 30% federal and a 35% state, and the state is capped in a certain way, right? right. That's pretty much it, right? But that, I mean, I'm pretty generous, and, I, and it can easily average out to about 50%, you know, absorbed in tax credits because that state side can get capped pretty, you know, Correct. based on system size. But when you get into commercial, what's what I found really exciting as I started to see that over the years is that it's it's actually even more generous, right? Because you have the, some of the things you just referenced. So you have the 30% federal, you have a 35% state. I believe it's capped at five hundred thousand dollars per project. Is that right? Right. So that's roughly a cost of relative. I think it's about one point four two million. One point four two million total spend, project cost right, to kind of max like, out that thirty five percent at five hundred thousand and not leave anything on the table. Correct on the right. on the Hawaii credit. Correct. And then the and then the makers the bonus depreciation means that you can take all well at one point four two million. And you could you could depreciate 100% of it right out of the gate in 2018. Is that what that means? At the federal level, but the federal the federal code requires you to reduce the basis, the cost. So that 1.42, you have to reduce it by 15%. So 85%. So you can take 100% of the 85. Right. Whereas Hawaii did not adopt that provision. So Hawaii over five years, uh, it's actually six years usually. Uh, it, you'll receive a full 1.42 write-off at right. the Hawaii level, and it's a little less for the federal. But now with the new code. It's all on day one, right? Uh, with the bonus depreciation. So, if you put all that together, I would think that that would really incentivize other. Um, can I call you a money man? Is that okay? Absolutely. <laughs> other money men throughout, you know, in different businesses, running different businesses out there, saying, "Hey, what?" And a lot of and a lot of these organizations, whether they're hotels or whether they're, um, you know, uh, like you know, food food um, distribution companies that have you know major you know chilling kind of you know um, equipment, um, they've already done solar, right? Maybe they did a hundred right. kW NAM back in the day when those were right. available, those were 100 kW net metering systems, you know, and they, they knocked out maybe 10% of their, you know, or some small percentage, or maybe they did a larger SIA, you know, maybe 20 or 30% of the overall offset, and they put in some big, you know, gigawatt type size stuff. But I mean, they now they still have load, they still have electric bills, significant bills, and they're going, what's next, right? And so now it's, I, I mean, I would think what they're looking at is similar to kind of some of the things you're looking at, which is solar plus storage, plus maybe other technology right. to get you further down the road of, of energy offset from that, you know, maybe a, sm a small percentage with the NEM or maybe a little bit of larger percentage with the SIA into a place where you're 50 or plus percentage or majority offset of your electric bills. Is that what's kind of happening out there? <clears throat> you know, to a large part, it should. The, you know, the roadblock, I think. So one question is, is why is it not happening large scale? Well, now that all the low-hanging fruit has been utilized with the PV, the IRS process, which, <laughs> you know, a play on words, not Internal Revenue Service, right? The Interconnection Requirements <laughs> Study with Miko. What a great, what a great <laughs> acronym. You know, you love yeah. that. You're like, you couldn't find a right. more, like, you know, like macabre yeah, acronym right. to use. You know, from <laughs> so, you know, there's a, there's a high level of uncertainty, and it doesn't happen quickly. You know, mm -hmm. here in Maui, we all know things don't happen quickly, but there is a process that has to be respected. So when you have these larger projects, 
first off, what's the timeline? How long is it going to take for this IRS to go through? Oh, and then there's a wild card at the end. You know, once the IRS goes through, what upgrades, if any, is Maui Electric, the grid, really going to need? You know, and when you learn more about it, you realize that it's a necessary evil that needs to happen. But that level of uncertainty makes it tricky, especially if you are providing upgrades, depending on the upgrade and which side of the system it's on, they may or may not be available for the tax credits, you know, how the code is written. Oh, right. So the, so, okay. So what we're talking about folks here is that uh, you you have a big business, you have a large uh, energy uh, uh, usage, you want to put in a solar system and the utility says, okay, yes, you can. However, we've done a study and there needs to be, there need to be some uh, um, um, amendments or adjustments or fixes, upgrades to the grid in that area in order to support that renewable energy system. And you have to bear the cost of that. And you're saying that tax credits may not apply. Correct. That's an unknown cost that could come out of the blue and tax credits might not mitigate it. Right. Right. So that can make a big difference. Uh, So you got kind of timeline uncertainty. You got budgetary uncertainty. You got whether or not your tax credits apply to these aspects. You know, that creates that slows things down considerably is what you're saying, right? Absolutely. And, you know, there's parts where you can't even be approved by the utility because the grid saturation and grid saturation is becoming more and more dense. Right. Mm. I mean, they have grid saturation maps on Maui Electric's website and there's (laughs) red everywhere. They're looking at this for years. Man. <laughs> just like, oh, no. and, and so, you know, that's what makes the money, man, if you will, uh, uneasy is uncertainty. Mm-hmm. You know, we like finite calculations. Well, mm-hmm. when you have a wild card, that wild card for some systems could be 30% of the cost. And that's if you huge. can't take the, if it's only a depreciable item rather than uh, credit eligible, you know, that is huge. But even so, with, uh, you know, the credits in place, usually it still makes quite a bit of sense. You just need approval from the utility uh, in general. And if you're past that, that's the major hurdle. And then for almost everybody here, it goes back to the original question. Do you have tax appetite? And if the answer is yes, then the next question is, with these variables, is it a day one break even? You know, is it a year one, year two, year three, year four? But on the commercial level, because of that depreciation component, as opposed to residential, which doesn't have it, uh, it's rare I've seen a commercial go past five years break even. Usually we're in the day one, the you know, year three mark. And then, of course, it's just cash flowing itself after that. Right. Cash flowing itself is a different way of saying it. That's very, very exciting. So that being said, we've got, um, I, I, there was an article maybe, I don't know, a year ago it came out and they were talking about the prospect for commercial solar plus storage across the country. And I think Hawaii was ranked number two out of the 50 states after only maybe California. And I don't remember if that was, you know, a, a, that might have been just based on the size or something. Or if it was, but uh, so I mean, that, it sounds to me like we're in an environment that's really uh, uh, fertile ground for the adoption of solar plus storage. And that's something that you're doing right now at my brewing company, right? Right, yeah, so solar is about one meg, solar storage is about three megawatt hours, you know, for simple numbers. And of course we have biodiesel uh, generator units to 275 kilowatt units. Uh, But really, you know, where battery is huge at the commercial level is demand shaving to stay away from the demand charges, looking at that financial by itself. But of course, for us, uh, we, you know, as Garrett mentioned, we've seen brownouts, blackouts, you know, it was only a few months ago, we were down for eight hours, the whole, you know, south side of the island. Eight Uh, hours. Fortunately, you know, that that doesn't affect our product in that timeline, but two days does, you know, and talking about financial consequences. Yeah, just even looking at COGS, you know, not the cost of goods sold, not even looking at the fair market value. And that's several hundred thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. But beyond that for us is if, you know, we're not producing widgets. We can't flip a switch and beer pops out, right? It's usually, mm-hmm. you know, anywhere between 18 to 21 days mm-hmm. is the fermentation period. So if we can't supply our distributors and they can't supply the stores, mm-hmm. the opportunity cost could be profound. Because when you lose market share and you lose sh- shelf space, it is very difficult to, to gain it back. It back. Yeah. You know, it, that happened to us in Texas because we had capacity limitations when we were at the Lahaina facility. And of course, being my home state, you know, yeah. that, that, that kind of sucks. But, uh, you know, in the meantime, it took for us to regain that capacity. About 30 to 40 other local breweries came online and they took the shelf space. No and to this day, we still haven't been able to recover. That's you know? a really, wow. So the, it's it's interesting because when I think about um, the cost, like inventory, I think in very simple terms, okay, you have something in a refrigerator and it's going to go bad and then you'll lose that value, right? It's as simple right. as it gets. But you're talking about like a opportunity cost in business exactly. because you're shut down for a certain period period of time because there's a, uh, a lack of stability or a lack of, um, of, uh, of, of uh, certainty that our electric supply is going to be there. And uh, that in- employing solar and plus batteries with contingencies like uh, backup systems like uh, the generators, 
Cummings that you have there. We, you know, I think those are Cummings biodiesels, right? Right. And we had uh, Dahi on the show. Yeah, Dahi was with, here. Uh, yeah, with King Power Systems. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it, you're, you're, there's a whole other value that you're adding to the equation, right? It was, and it was a huge considera- uh, consideration for us. You know, where there's a sticker shock on the value or you know the build out, and of course, you know, as many projects that overran. But however, we have to have redundancies. You know, a generator could have done it, but then again, you know, this just takes us to a much better level in general. Mm. Uh, the door we've kept open with Miko, you know, they've been great when we opened up some negotiations. Like, hey, we will even be a generation facility in emergencies. You know, we can, even if we're self-producing with PV in our battery, we can always try to fire up the generators and back feed about a half a meg, right. uh, which, you know, that can, for essentials, for refrigerators, food, you know, food security, uh, people who need to boil water for safety concerns, you know, in our immediate area and the people on our grid, you know, that could help anywhere from. 250 to 500 houses uh, have emergency power. You so know. now we're moving into another value proposition right. here, which is the support of the community, a direct support. And then have you, I mean, how, do, how would something like that work? Have you actually had dialogue about a protocol for that? Well, you know, the, of course, everything has to go through the PUC. You know, I think it was a demand response is a pilot system that's going into effect. And it's not really designed for backfeeding per se. It's uh, more uh, reducing your consumption so they can reallocate electricity where it's needed. But as uh, as technology improves, as the grid improves, um, that door and that negotiating aspect will be available. And it makes sense for us to have it because we have a large space. We have refrigeration because we mm-hmm. are off-grid, uh, or not or grid independent, I should say, and we have the backup generation. But we also, at any given time, have liquid bread in tanks, meaning beer, and uh-huh. we also have water, uh, water tanks. So, you know, for essential life needs, we actually have enough until Red Cross, other emergency systems are in place to recover, you know. Right. But hopefully it's not a hurricane that takes the panels away. Even then, as long as we have a biodiesel supply, we have the generators in place. However, those are considerations that we certainly have, you know, and once things are in place, that's where we'll look deeper into how can we be a valuable aspect to a community that's been wonderful to us. You know, the community has been incredible, and we just want to say thank you, and that's one way we can, yeah. is having that facility available. That's remarkable. You know, you start out with this conversation renewable energies and you say okay well we have you know we have to there's decarbonization there's our climate there's this kind of really huge level conversation going on then there's a, a financial case for it and in the case of these businesses a very strong financial case and then you get into the uh, independence and the, the business case you were just saying right so we can actually protect our business protect our opportunity you know make sure that there's no loss in the opportunity cost there and now we're talking about actually supporting the community and providing resiliency to the local <laughs> I mean yeah, it's I'm, like where, I'm, the, where I'm, the, I'm trying not to I, I'm, try, I'm trying really hard not to laugh out loud because it was always my plan okay if the world's coming to end i'm going to maui brew there's actually a real case for it yeah i know if if the emergency system goes off i probably need to go down there and make sure the doors are open you know people are more aware of uh, what the capacity and the capability is you know oh my goodness that's like the best emergency uh, shelter i could imagine right of course the beer is flowing at that point right (laughs) unbelievable jay what do you think do you have anything you want to add here Oh, no, it's, I mean, it's just really interesting. I mean, it's always been, I mean, there's this public relations component to having solar and being truly green, not not Benjamin Green, as you said. Um, but it's really interesting to hear that that, that financially these can, these systems can actually work and they work very well for people um, as, as long as you put the research in, right? I mean, that's right. essentially and, the and, message. And so one of the questions Josh uh, had is message to other decision makers from your experiences. And, you know, from the CPA side, I'm not even a promoter. You know, I, I don't make commissions on selling PV. There's been so many commercial clients we've had who have the roof space, who have the capability. And I was like, you really need to look at this. With your tax appetite, you're going to save that dollar for dollar. And they think it's like I'm trying to sell them snake oil. You know, they think, really? you know, they're like, so they're- this, if it's too good to be true, I was like, you know what? You're absolutely right. Usually that is, you know, the situation. But this really is with the subsidies in place, you know, the tax credits, it is not too good to be true and it's going to help your bottom line and you can't convince them they're like no way it's too you good know what, what it was exciting about what you just described to me i don't know if you remember jay but it was it might have been a year ago we read this article about how and it might have even been breweries uh large institutions across the united states were starting to not only encourage or but they actually require some of their their supply chain mm-hmm. to adopt renewable energies right so right. you're out there talking to guys that have i don't know what kinds of clients or businesses you're talking about but you're saying hey guys it works for us you might want to give it a try and another level of that is you know when you have uh, your vendors and you're kind of checking off your list you're like do you use renewable energy <laughs> right and you can actually say hey if you do you're going to be a preferred vendor for us or whatever right. right so that kind of thing is happening across the country it's another level of how businesses influence one another definitely 
Yeah, it's exciting stuff. It's exciting stuff. So um, where should we go with this, Jay? Um, what's the next stage of this conversation here? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I just love that. I love the fact that they've been doing that. How, how long has, I mean, you, you mentioned that this this renewables and, and being being as as least environmentally impactful has always been a tenant of, of Maui Brew. How long has that, that system been in place as long as you've been there? Well, so <laughs> I was the outside CPA uh, <clears throat> as part of the CPA firm that I worked for. And I believe Garrett came over in 2000. 2009 was the year to our CPA firm. And one of the mm -hmm. main reasons he and I connected and just clicked right away is because he's all, oh, there's actually, I couldn't find it. There's a YouTube video where at the Kahana Brew Pub, he made his own biodiesel. No way. And so I used to take the mm -hmm. biodiesel credit for him, which is a dollar a gallon back in the day, you know, it was extended and extended. But he has a video and he was blending 50% biodiesel with 50%, you know, uh, traditional fossil fuel. And so that was, he was doing that before I met him in 2009. So he's always yeah. had that mantra of, you know, we have waste streams, let's use them in the best way that we can. You know, right there, that's good for good business practices, but it's great for the island. Uh, and so I, it's been there from day one, but, you know, as we've been able to grow, there's been more financial resources so that we can actually pursue these projects rather than just dream about them. And so over time, I think he's just put more of these concepts from being an idea and more into fruition and coming to be. Uh, so it's been a really neat process to see how he's always had this mentality, but now it's actually happening. Absolutely. Nice, yeah. nice. Yeah. You, ever, you ever consider doing any consulting? <laughs> you know, obviously, if, they, if they're out there, if you're out there just trying to trying to educate yeah, no, I, people, I, I, yeah, you're, you're going to get the snake oil look. But right. if you actually charge them some money for it, maybe you could. Maybe well, you, you know, I've kind of thought about that, you, you know, once upon a time. But now at the tail end of these credits, it's like, oh, you know, it's I'll, I'll leave that up to the people who have been doing it, uh, you know, for a long time. I just want to advocate solar in general because it makes sense for island you know it makes sense for the economy and it makes sense for business you know i i yeah, even though even though we lost you know i or maxed out the state credit i put a two tesla power wall twos and uh, pv at my house i cried because it wasn't net meter but still you know the payback was a little longer but now i've lost power i think 15 times in pukalani and i've never noticed it because it has that off-grid off mm -hmm. automatic switchover uh capability and that's been great you know because if there is a natural disaster yeah. as long as my system's in place all my refrigerators are running beautiful yeah, you're you're pretty close to me, and I, I think we experience pretty much the same in instabilities. Is right. what I'm going to call them. I I send Josh a message every once in a while because he doesn't know either. Like I'm the only one without a battery at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't have the flicker uh, effect at our house anymore, and that's really cool, you know. And that's where I tell people, even on the residential side, hey, there's a peace of mind component that you want to consider, you know. Especially all my friends who have kids, you know, and it's hotter. You know, we are experiencing. 2015 when I moved here was an insanely hot uh, summer. I was in Kahului renting a house before we bought ours. And it's like, hey, you know, if you have small children, at least have one split system or window unit and keep it cool, you know, so that they're safe and they're not overheating. Uh, the food component's huge. I think if there is a major disaster, we only have three or four or five, seven days. It's less than a week worth of food. So mm -hmm. if anything major happened, you need to preserve what you have in the future mm -hmm. and always be prepared to begin with. But we learned through the missile crisis how unprepared oh we really were yeah. or we are. So. Sure. Uh, it's just it's part of an overall solution for people who want to be prepared. Uh, but being in the middle of a, the, you know, the ocean on an island, it's even more pertinent than in other places. Yeah, it's really a remarkable feeling, I, I think, to have your uh, your home backed up with batteries and renewable energies because there's that sense of security. You just feel, right. hey, you know what? I know that's there. And then when the grid goes go out and you see it, you're, that's how it happens. It's like uh, it's it's a, just a fundamental shift. It's kind of like you could almost say, how could we have lived without that? Right. That, that <laughs> sense of security. You know, Absolutely. How could we possibly have lived without that in the past? So, Jay, what do you think? Do you want to uh, jump on over? You want to wrap this conversation? Jump on over to our future focus. That uh, yeah, I really yeah. do appreciate the time. It's been absolutely awesome. And, and tell us when you're uh, installing new and interesting stuff. Yeah, absolutely. we'll Check do. We'll, we'll definitely keep you guys looped in. <laughs> all right, all right. So Excellent. let's take a look. Excellent. We actually uh, uh, we actually have an opportunity to do some of this future focus conversation. This was an important one because it's kind of leaping off of what we're talking about. This is uh, popular mechanics uh, as of June 22nd. Uh, renewables will make up 50% of the world's energy by 2050. That is a big deal. I thought the goal was 100. I thought it was the 100. <laughs> We're supposed to get to 100. Uh, all right, fine. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, they, they're talking about how to get how to get there. Uh, right now, 2015 was the last full census. I guess I suppose it's it's only seven percent, and we're on a ramp. Uh, but but 
we should be able to get to 2050 by uh, 150% by 2050 is what it is. Um, the issue that I see is that a lot of, and I think this is brought up in the article, is that if, if, if we're generating the electricity from renewable sources, but still um, using the same old cars and the same old other other technology, um, the, the real climate input won't be won't be any better. Um, we're talking about carbon sequestration and such. because so and that conversation comes from uh, the, like the biodiesel component that everybody seems to be putting in their renewable. Um, uh, plants, right? So it may be renewable in the sense that we can grow fuel, but it's not renewable in the fact that that we're we're doing anything for climate change. Oh, so they're saying that a big piece of that is actually going to be um, uh, biofuels. Well, that's I mean, yeah, exactly. It's it's not specific in this uh, particular article, but that's what I've seen mm. um, all 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 around. If um, even uh, Miko's plan is is bio bio diesel dependent um because there's there's no easier way to um to get that much energy hmm, hmm. well they're talking here about that's how that's that's much that's more stable i mean that's that's the issue we have these these transitory resources we always talk about it that, that the solar only works during the day uh what are you going to do in the evening battery technologies can we tr truly get a better battery storage technology besides the lithium I and mean, lithium is expensive it's getting more expensive uh you have to manufacture a whole lot of it granted economies of scale are bringing down those battery prices a lot but can you can you truly back up the entire planet <laughs> can you back up the entire planet yeah well so you're we're basically what we're saying here is this is great but it may not necessarily mean that our decarbonization goals are being achieved I mean, that's what you're saying, right, Jack? Exactly, exactly that. That's, that's, that's the point of the article, in my opinion, is mm -hmm. that they're really just not, they're not making it. You know, and, um, this is what, um, this is what uh, um, uh, Doug McLeod at the uh, Maui Energy Conference, his whole focus was on decarbonization uh, in this last mm -hmm. uh, session, uh, you know, a few months back or six months ago, uh, because you have uh, these, you've, now we have some precedent, we have some examples, I think like Germany, for example, where all these renewables are deployed, but then the actual uh, carbon uh, footprint increases, I think, right? Didn't that happen? Jay, mm -hmm. yeah, something, yeah. something along those lines, right? So it's like now we want to make sure we're looking at not only the, what's the big picture impact of all this, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, and they here they're talking about how battery storage and you know all of this will help will, will help wind and solar get more and more of a uh, attraction. But is it is it ultimately a good thing? And is it going to save us from climate change? I guess is what they're talking about. I mean, right, right. And it, if if you can't if you can't save us from all the the, the inclement weather, then yeah, what what are you were saying about having you, the solar panels let, 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 ripped let, off the roof? What do you think? <laughs> you put in a whole bunch of solar, but it just got tear, torn apart by the hurricane. Is they, this is the one that's tough to answer. But do you think we're too far down the road to make an impact on climate change? I mean, it, do, have you thought about that? Sometimes I ask myself that question in this whole game, right? It's like, you know, what are we gonna? What, what <clears throat> impact can we make? The disheartening reality is when you go out on the beach and you see how much plastic we have. And no matter how no, much we clean it up, how much is coming back and back and back. And to have a worldwide mental shift in thinking to really get on the same page is what it's going to take. And I don't have an answer for that. I mean, look at wars. Yeah, We're and still it, having but, them, you know. Yeah, but yeah, we, if, we, if, we don't, if we don't start, I, I'd say it's never too late. Because if you don't start, then it's never going to start. So let's do it. Yeah, it's not too <laughs> late. I think it's really I, figuring I, I out teach, the solution. I teach my kids to pick up the plastic when they go. But where does it go after we clean it up? I don't know. And that's a problem. <laughs> right, right, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like kind of harkening back to that article about the Mennonites, right? Where they right. talk about, yeah. you know, energy as a driver of conflict, and it's all part of this big picture, you know? We always need to do good. Yeah. We just need to figure out a global solution rather than a local solution, I think is my point. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's like we have to be realistic with what the issue is, and then we have to think globally rather than locally. Right, right. Well, there you go. Yep. Maybe we could uh, end it on that uh, really uh, good note there, Russell. So thank you. This has been Russell Adkins, CFO, Maui Brewing Company, episode 62 of the Solar Coaster. We learned all about how how the money man makes the decision <laughs> about putting solar in. I actually got some new info. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. Thank you, yeah, it's, it's It is, like I said, it's not just a public relations 
ploy, it actually really does make financial sense. So if you own a business, take a look at it. Yeah, I mean, well, hey, it was, uh, you know, it was uh, climate change, it was money, it was uh, it was resiliency, it was uh, support for the community. I mean, it was like, you know, four or five big pillars there that uh, we learned yeah. about today. So thank you so much. So, hey, folks, this has been the uh, Solar Coaster Renewable Energy Theme Talk Show right here in lovely Maui County. Uh, we are sponsored by Maui Solar Project, Tabuchi Electric America, Sonen Battery, Pika Energy, and Sundrum Solar. Uh, thanks so much, folks. It's been a great show. Have a wonderful weekend and Aloha Friday.